Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to read a story that perhaps you have heard before, especially if you grew up in church. I want to begin in verse 13. And I've entitled this message as you're turning the three dangers to revival. The three dangers to revival. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And Jesus said to them, verse 13, Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Here's the parable. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so they endure only for a time. They're saved for a little while, but afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That means they go back into sin. Now these are the ones, please notice these verses, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it and bear it, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Can you say amen to the word of God? You can be seated today. Jesus loved to use parables. He was the master teacher. He used a lot of parables in his teaching. A parable is a brief story told by way of an analogy to illustrate a spiritual truth. One person said, a little quip, that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The parable in our text is called the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow seed in his field. He sowed the seed by broadcasting. He would reach into his bag of seed and then he would toss it like this. And he would throw it out in the open ground. Some of the seed fell on the wayside. Some of the seed fell on the rocks outside of the field. Some of the seed fell on the perimeter of the field where there were still weeds and thorns. And then some of the seed fell on the good field, the good soil. Now every parable teach you this, every parable has a primary meaning. Every parable has one primary meaning. And the primary meaning in this parable is basically this, that the gospel, or at a minimum, the word of God, will meet with varying levels of success in the human heart. That's what it's showing us. There are times when parables contain a secondary meaning. You should always look for the primary meaning, but it does no danger if you see a secondary meaning, and I see one in this parable. And so I'm not going to preach the the parable of the sower today. I want to focus in on specifically verses 18 and 19, because Jesus identifies three things, and what I'm about to say, I'm saying selectively. I have chosen my words carefully, and you'll understand a little bit when I get into the message. Three things that will suck the life out of your spirit. Three things that will kill, kill your potential for a personal revival. 
three things that will constrict or obstruct the move of God in your life. I think it's very evident if you're coming, you've been coming here for the last few months, it's evident that right now we are in a spiritual awakening at High Praises Church. You can tell it when you walk. You can tell it right now, can't you? This place is electric right now. Do y'all feel the presence of the Holy Ghost like I do? I went in the production room to get up on this stage, and I looked at the person running the, the, the cameras, and I said, my Lord, it's strong out there. He said, I can feel it back here. The presence and the power of God is here. God has been working in you for the last several weeks. Some of you have had a breakthrough in various areas of your life, and it has been liberating for you. Some of you have been freed from the sin of unforgiveness. Some of you have felt the joy of having reconciliation with people that previously you were at odds with. Some of you have been healed and delivered from the hurts of your past and been set free. Many of us have grown hungry for God and the Holy Spirit and to go deeper spiritually. A lot of us are wanting to experience mighty moves of God. Some of you have said to me, Pastor, I used to experience them. I haven't had them in a long time. I'm praying for God to once again move in my life like he used to. I want to give you a warning, and today's one of those warning messages, okay? So I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and warn you that I'm preaching a warning message. But if we'll listen, God can set us free today. There are three enemies of your soul, the devil, your flesh, and this corrupt world. You fight them every day. And they will do everything in their powers to either hinder or halt the work of God in you and to hinder or halt the work of God in this church. And specifically, this is where the Lord led me this week. If you're not careful, if you don't stay on alert, they will use three things that are in this text, three things that Jesus mentioned to deflate and delete your revival. Do y'all want to look at them? Here's number one, distractions. Distractions. Now, Jesus called them the cares of this life, but if you look it up in the Greek, it means distractions. Works good for the alliteration we preachers like with the three Ds. And so it's distractions. So thus the distractions of this life. When when I'm distracted, and sometimes I do get distracted, ask my wife when she's trying to talk to me. My attention is drawn away from the thing or the person that I should be centered on, right? There are plenty of things and people who will try to draw away. Your attention from God. Those things don't have to be evil or wicked or diabolical. It can be anything or anyone in this life that you allow to consume you. And if you give in to the cares of this life, the distractions of this life, you will become preoccupied with the wrong things. And so if you look at this word, it just... Spells it out if you would do a study, if you would do a human sound impressive a lexical syntactical analysis. Woo! You would find out that we let worries distract us. So some of you worry over your personal finances. Some of you worry over your the future and you obsess over it to where it consumes you so much that you can't even talk to Jesus. 
you'll stay anxious about the economy, anxious about politics, anxious about work, anxious about a relationship. And these things will distract you. I've never seen a time when the church of Jesus Christ got more distracted than in the last four or five years with politics. Then it was COVID. And should you get vaccinated or shouldn't you get vaccinated? And I got people that, I, I, stayed, I stayed neutral on purpose. I had people still get mad at me. I had a few that left the church and I didn't even do anything. But they got distracted. You, may tell, you want me to tell you the two biggest ones? Curl your toes up in your shoes. But it's Facebook and social media. I'm going to call y'all out. You better still love me. But somebody ought to say it. I'm not on Facebook. I don't do book face. Okay, so I don't do that. I have to lean on Leah to tell me something. By the way, if there's something going on and you want the pastors and the church to know about it, don't post it on Facebook. Call us. Because I'm not on Facebook. And then don't get mad at me later when you didn't come visit me. Well, you didn't tell me. I got a phone. I got a whole office staffed. Oh, Lord, he's done gone down a rabbit Man, I feel better when I get this out, though. You just have no idea the catharsis. Facebook. Let me tell you what y'all do. You get your phone. I thought phones were you make, supposed to make phone calls. Instead of become a movie produ producer. But that's the thing. You get on your phone. That's what you say. Well, I'm going to check my Facebook for just a few minutes. few minutes turns to 30 minutes. For some of you, it goes to three hours. Oh, you just go ahead. It's what I do. But you didn't give one thought about give Jesus just a few minutes, much less 30 minutes, much less three hours. You won't get in the book for three hours, but you'll stay on Facebook for three hours. Now, you get mad at me if you want to, but that's called distraction. That's distraction. And then you get all worked up reading it. You get all worked up, don't you? Those of you watching at home, they're nodding their heads. Is there anything inherently wrong with Facebook? No. Is there anything wrong with social media? No, we use it here. Those of you watching by home, you better be thankful for social media. They don't have to be inherently wrong, but when you allow them to pull your attention away from God who's over there. And you can't, you don't have the ability to self-manage yourself to pull back and say, enough of that, I got to get back over here. That's when you have a problem. And the devil will know it. Dale Colder is a professor at the Pentecostal Theological Seminary, and he recently tweeted this. I love it. I want to share it with you. I quote, one of the most challenging battles of the modern age is the fight against distraction. This information age 
with its constant bemusements, is always cajoling, inciting, provoking, like a trickster god who appears so big precisely because through distraction it makes you seem so small. Oh, the world problems are so big. Oh, the economy is so big. Oh, this problem is so big. Oh, this situation is so big. That's what Facebook does because they want you to keep coming back. When you get in a prayer closet and get in your Bible and look at just five seconds with Jesus, you realize that ain't that big after all because there's somebody bigger. There's a God who's sovereign, in charge, and in control. Come on, y'all. It's all about perspective. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus visited the house of Martha, who was the sister to Lazarus. If you know anything about the Bible, Lazarus died, was in the tomb four days. Jesus came back and raised him from the dead. He had another sister, St. Mary, so there was Lazarus, Mary, And Martha, he was in Martha's house. Jesus was in the house. Mary was there, Martha's sister. They were real close, real tight family. Uh, uh, Mary is in there. Jesus is teaching, okay? It's time to stop what you're doing and hear the... Listen, the same voice that said, let there be light. The same voice that said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And poof. That voice was speaking in her home. And Mary got in the room. She had her laptop out. She was taking notes. They didn't have laptops back then. Martha, meanwhile, doing like my great aunt used to do in the kitchen. Oh, Lord. Oh, what's wrong? The biscuits are burning. They're not burning. She just liked to yell. She'd yell with him, my God, what's wrong? The biscuits are burning. She'd open up, and they're not halfway done. Lorraine, you're giving us a heart attack. That was my great aunt, Lorraine. Oh, Lord, I got to get the chicken cooking. Martha's cooking chicken, frying the chicken. Oh, we got to get, she's frying the okra. Oh, I got to check the macaroni and cheese in the crock pot. How many of you know crock pot macaroni and cheese is awesome? Oh, I got to check the biscuits. He said, they don't have all that. Don't you know she was from South Galilee? Martha's running all over the kitchen. She's trying to be a good host. She's running in there, setting the silverware out. She's putting the plates. She's trying to get the napkins. Meanwhile, every other time she's in there, she's looking at there, and Mary going, you need to be in here. Ah, oh, the biscuits are burning. They're not burning yet. Why isn't she in here with me? And she's running back and forth, and she's getting ill about her sister. And the Bible actually says she was distracted by many things. And she finally goes in there and talks to Jesus. Lord, he's trying to teach. Pardon me, excuse me. Lord, could you just pause between point four and five here? Just, would you please tell my sister to get in here and help us? I'm trying to get a meal together for y'all. She was from South Galilee. Oh, y'all need to eat, but I, I need her help. Did the Lord look at Mary and say, well, you better get in there. Oh, no. He said, Martha. Martha. Now, if the Lord ever says your name twice, you're in trouble. Like your mama used to do. If your mama ever used your whole name, including your middle name, you're fixing to get a whooping. 
He said, Martha, you're distracted. So many things. He said, but one thing is needed, just one. There, there'll be time for cooking and eating, but right, right now is not the time. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the one thing, which implies you haven't. Martha, the son of the living God is sitting on your couch, and you're in the kitchen. You correlate that to your life maybe, where God is, but you're in another room of your life? Come on, y'all, I'm just preaching today. That's what the Lord called me to do. Or are you, in, are you sitting on the floor in the couch next to Jesus? And he said, that one thing will not be taken away from her. By the way, watch out for people who try to get your eyes off of Jesus because that's exactly what Martha tried to do to Mary. And if you've got somebody in your life that says, oh, you can miss church this Sunday, let's go to the lake. Oh, you can miss church this next Sunday, let's go to the mountains. Oh, you can miss church this Sunday, let's go camping. Oh, you can miss church, but next thing you know, you ain't been to church in six weeks. Because somebody, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching whether y'all like it or not. Somebody better say all this because somebody's distracting you. You get up in the morning and one spouse says, well, let's get up and go to the other church. I don't feel like going to church. Let's just sleep in today. Let's just watch it on TV. Great, great, good job. You just distracted your spouse and their family from getting to the house of God. Way to go. Say, Pastor, when you put it like that, that sounds, that's, it sounds exactly like you think it sounds. It does. I mean, it's bad enough. My, I, you don't know how much of the Holy Ghost anointing I feel all over me. I feel like I could run on the air. It's bad enough when I got to deal with the devil, the flesh, and the world. But when people that I supposed to, I'm supposed to count on, people that ought to know better, people that ought to be leading, are distracting me rather than leading me. Pulling my attention away from the Lord rather than taking me to the Lord. I know I'm preaching hard, but if you want a revival, you need to hear what I'm saying. If you're distracted and your attention has been drawn away from the Lord, go back to that one thing that is important, pursuing Jesus. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then guess what? You don't even know what I'm going to do. All these other things I'll add to you. The Bible says that he knows what you have need of before you ask him. You don't have to get worried and anxious. Quit worrying about politics. Uh, you can't control politics. I'm 56. I've been through a lot of presidents and congressmen and all of them. You cannot control any of it. What you can do is live your life, go vote when you get a chance, and then just live right and talk to God and let God handle it. They're just pawns on a chessboard anyway. Jesus Christ is coming one of these days, and then it won't matter anymore. We used to sing, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. We, that's what we got to remember. He's watching me. He's taking care. I don't have to worry. So here's, here's what I want to say to you today, okay? In this life and all that you have to go through, be preoccupied with Jesus. 
If you want to get preoccupied with something, get preoccupied with Jesus. Now, I know this sounds so ultra-spiritual, and this sounds like something the pastor is supposed to say. I'm not saying to walk around speaking in tongues all the time or read your Bible all the time or do anything like that. No, live life, go to work, do all the things that are in this life, but just don't let anything distract you. If you're going to get caught up and preoccupied with something, get preoccupied with Jesus. Let him always be at the top of the list. When I work, I can think about Jesus. When I'm at home, I can think about Jesus. When I'm out walking, playing golf, I can talk to Jesus. I've been up in a tree stand speaking in tongues with the Holy Ghost all over me. You understand what I'm saying? You just got to make sure that whatever you're doing, you always have your fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's how you defeat the devil, your flesh, the world, from being, keep you from being distracted. There's the distractions. Second, there's the, there's the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. You can be deluded by the appeal of wealth. Let me give you three things that you'll often hear that none of these are true. Money is the answer to everything. No, it's not. It's not. Can't buy me love. Money can't buy me. It's, I can do some Beatles for you there if that makes you feel better. Okay, it can't buy you love, it can't buy you happiness, it can't buy you joy. Trust me, I've known some of the most wealthy people in the world, they were miserable. Okay, it won't make you happy, it won't satisfy your spiritual longing. All right, sometimes it creates more problems than it does solutions. Second, when I get so much money, X amount of money, oh, then I'll be satisfied, I'll be fulfilled. No, you won't. Because when you get X amount of money, guess what? You're going to want a little bit more. Here's the third one. Fulfillment comes from the acquisition of lots of possessions. I'm going to spend my life just getting boats and cars and lands and property, and I'm just going to get more. And if I, I got 28,000 guns, but I'm going to get 28,001. I got to go to the goal. I got to go to the gun show, honey. Well, I've got to go to Dillard's. They've got a shoe sale going on, honey. You got 62 pairs of shoes. You're going to want, they're going to go out of style. You got to have number 63. Yeah, whoo. I had a friend of mine, there was a bumper sticker that used to read, he who dies with the most toys wins. Isn't that carnal, worldly? He who dies with the most, he who has had the most houses and the most cars and the most boats and, and golf clubs and four-wheelers and, and, and all that stuff, he who has the most, die. my friend said it ought to read, he who dies with the most toys dies. He said, because you can't take it with you. And I'm telling you right now, quit running after everything in this world and trying to find fulfillment in it. It's a deceit. It's a lie. It'll deceive you. I'm telling you, like the old song says, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can cleanse your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy in heaven too, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. He's what gives you fulfillment. You can waste your life pursuing money and wealth. You'll sacrifice precious time with your spouse, your children, your friends, your ministry for the Lord, the church, and even Jesus. The pursuit of wealth at God's expense and at the expense of your soul will cheat you out of the greater blessings of spiritual wealth. Y'all read that verse in the Bible that says, quit running after all the wealth in this world and lay up treasures in heaven. You can't take your bank account when you die and stand before God. Here's the third one, desires for other things. I think it's interesting that Jesus words it this way, desires for other things. So this is not the desire for wealth. Jesus already mentioned that. It's a desire longing for other things. 
What are the other things? I think it's the things of this world that we value more than we value God. And that can be any number of things, positions, titles, popularity, likes on Facebook, success, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, a family, lots of friends. Some people just have, have to have lots of friends. You want to be accepted. Social influence is your goal. Education, pleasure, recreation. Are these things inherently evil? No, my goodness, no. There's nothing wrong with a title at work. There's nothing wrong with success in business. I hope you are successful in your business. I hope they promote you and you get pay raises and titles and all that. There's nothing wrong with those things. What is wrong is wanting those things so bad that you are willing to sacrifice God to achieve them. That's a danger. The Bible has an answer to this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you know the rest of the verse? And he will give you the desires of your heart. John, in one of his little, I don't remember if it's first, second, third John, one of those little letters, not his gospel, he said, I pray that you may be in health and prosper. How many want to be healthy and prosperous in the house? If you don't raise your hand, you just want those people ain't going to raise your hand, aren't you? I talk about you. Everybody wants to be healthy and prosperous. But he said, I pray that you may be in health and prosper. Watch this. Even as your soul prospers. It's contingent upon the the material, the physical, the health is contingent upon the spiritual. So here's one of my one-liners. When you put God first, then God blesses you with those things that mean a lot to you. You don't have to sacrifice him to get it. You just make him first, and then he'll give it to you. Jesus said that when these things get access to your life, they put a chokehold on you. And that's why I picked those words in the introduction. Entering in, he says, these things, these three things entering in, it conveys the image of someone wandering through an open door. Isn't it interesting that we sang, my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way? If you close the door to your heart and life, these three things can't get in. However, if you open the door of your life to them, they will come in and they will take up residence and they will make themselves at home and listen to me. They will integrate themselves into your lifestyle, into your mindset, into your worldview until you just think that's the way life is. I I have to sacrifice God and the things of God because these things this is what I do. It's who I am. It's important. That's a, that's a horrible, dangerous place to be. And I think the thing is, most people don't willfully snub God. Most people don't willfully let these three dangers in. Y'all listen to me. It just happens. Usually it just happens over time. You just don't take the steps to ensure that it doesn't happen. And that's why I'm preaching warnings today. At my house, I taught my sons this. My dad taught me this. It's, it's a generational thing that fathers pass on to their sons. It is, is every night before you go to bed, it's, it's, it, it was taught, not, you know, if you're a single mom, then you have to. But in my house, we were taught, if you're the man, you go and check all the doors before you go to bed. Don't do that, right? Check all the doors. Okay? Because it really is safer for that person to stay out than if they come in my house. It's much safer for them to stay on that side of the door. 
And so I go check all the doors because I want to make sure that nobody who, watch this, who doesn't belong in my house doesn't get in. And if they get in, I'm going to deal with them. Well, they'll, they'll walk in, but they'll carry them out. Listen to me. Carry the analogy. Keep the doors of your heart locked. Don't let these things in. Don't be deceived by, by wealth and, and the pursuit of wealth. Don't, don't let all these distractions get in your heart and start taking over and you can't even pray anymore and feel the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't let your heart get a longing for all these other things of this world. Life is about accumulating all this stuff. Keep your heart shut. Keep them out. Pastor, what if they've got in? Then deal with them. And deal with them mortally. Put them out of your misery. And say, get out. God wants you to check the door of your heart and life each day to keep anything that would pull you away from him. Because, listen, I feel like the Lord gave me this. It's a simple thought, but you need to dwell on it. Because if you give any of these three dangers a foothold, they'll turn it into a stronghold. There is no way to accommodate these three things in the Lord at the same time. For example, Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon, which is wealth. You will either listen to the one or the other. You'll, one will be in control of the other. I've always said if you don't control your money, your money will control you. So if you've opened the door of your heart, of your life, to any of these three dangers, what should you do? I'm, I'm closing with this. Musicians, please come. The parable of the sower is set in the context of a field. It is agrarian in its nature. I've had gardens before and worked in around farmers. I grew up around farmers in Pennsylvania. Weeds and crops fight for the soil. Weeds and crops are fighting for the nutrients in the soil, the life in the soil, and one or the other will win. And the three Ds, the distractions, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for worldly things are like weeds that are fighting for the soil of your heart. So what's the answer? Pull up the weeds. Pull up the weeds and clear the soil of your soul for revival. Very practical. Again, become preoccupied with Jesus. Make him the most valuable person and asset in your life. Seek the giver of gifts rather than the gifts alone. You remember when Jesus cleaned out the, 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 the money changers and the animals in the temple? Maybe you need to clean house and remove some things that are, that are distracting and hindering your worship and your spiritual life because that's what those things were doing. Maybe you need to reprioritize some things and say, you know what, I've put some things before God. You're going to move from number one down to number six. Read your Bible, but don't read it just to read it. Read it to hear from God. I talked to somebody recently that got burnt out reading the Bible because they turned it into a study event. And I said to them, they said, what do I do? I said, let me tell you what I do. I just go back and I'd read one chapter, one chapter and I just read it to see what Jesus wanted to say to me. Don't do studies, and I'm not against, against studies. I really encourage studies. But when you get to that point to where it's now become a chore rather than a joy, then you need to just put all that away for a little while and just go back and read one chapter and say, Lord, just speak to me. What do you want to say to me? Because it is his word. Pray. And if prayer is a chore, prayer seems like it's, it's in the way of you... If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. And if you don't like, you say, I don't like praying, but you'll talk to your customer for 30 minutes on the phone. 
Come on now, something's wrong with that. You'll talk to your coworkers all day long. Come on, can't you just get in, a, in your car on the way to work and give him five minutes? I don't know how to pray, use the Lord's Prayer. I don't know what to say. Talk to him like you'd talk to me. Just talk to him. Maybe you've, maybe you've got more religion. We sang about this. Maybe you've got more religion. There's a better way. Have a relationship. Pray with some fire and passion. Ask God for his divine touch. Live in expectation of a move of God. And y'all just view this world through the eyes of God instead of through the, the eyes of a businessman or a, or, a, or a man or woman looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, we all get our lenses and we're looking with a certain viewpoint. You say, God, help me to see this thing the way you see it. And he'll open your eyes. I want you to stand with me this morning. Jared and I were, my oldest son, we were talking about some of this recently. He works for a big Fortune 500 company named Stryker. If you go to the hospital, you're probably going to lay in a Stryker bed. I'll give you an example of medical equipment, how massive this company is. Jared's been very successful. There's a lot of things going on. But I said, son, we were talking along this lines. I said, let me tell you something. I said, the Bible says the day is going to come when that Stryker Corporation up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, whatever, and every one of its, whatever, whatever it's got inventory and plants. And I said, one of these days, every bit of it's going to burn up. My wife works at Anderson University. I said, one of these days, Anderson University is going to be burned up. Those of you working in AnMed or in the hospital system, every bit of that is going to be gone. It's going to burn up. All your houses, your house is going to burn up. All those properties you own, it's going to burn up. Your nice car is going to burn up and evaporate. Everything you have is going to burn up with a fire that's going to obliterate it. It's all going to be gone. I said, but Jaron, there's one thing the Bible says that will be staying around. And I said, it's the church of the living God. It is the people of God. I said, we're the ones that can outlast anything and everything in this world. You let corporations build something as big as they want to. You let the governments get as big as they want to. But one day they're all going to be gone. But you and I will still be around for all eternity. What's more important? What's more important? The things of this world him. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.